Sonic Microphone on. Welcome to the Pod Doctors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the BBC series Doctor Who. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing series 13, episode 2 of Doctor Who. I feel like it's going to start having a whole bunch of other numbers now. Yes. Series 13, (laughs) episode 2, subplot B, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I will have to say before we jump into this, I am so looking forward to what conventions are going to have because all the cons because the makeup with these certain characters yes is outrageous i love it so i totally see this happening at cons come in this next coming year yeah it's very possible we'll see some cosplay <laughs> that's just out of oh my world. gosh yes because so, i will tell you the cosplayers who like dive head first unreal yeah unreal Okay, sorry. I got excited, especially with the costume for the weird female right. Skeletor. I don't know. But <laughs> she just, I don't know what her name is. It looked so cool. And I'm like, oh, I so want to see that at con. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, we do have some rating news for the, these two episodes so far. Episode one brought in a 0.08 and adults 18 to 49. With 0.339 million viewers, making it the 42nd rated cable show for the day. And episode two also had a 0.08 in adults 18 to 49, with only 0.305 million viewers, dropping it down to 62nd rated cable show for the day. Now, I don't know how 30,000 people make that big of a difference between the middle of the afternoon and at night again, but... Right. But that's a huge jump. Yeah. So weird. Yes, it is. But hey, maybe we'll start getting the ratings with everybody who's watched On Demand and right. all those other ways, the different app. I'm telling you, everybody's going away from cable. So yep, there's got to be another way to, to actually have it done. You would think so. Yeah. Well, let's jump into this episode, shall we? Let's do it. The War of the Sontarian. I feel like it should be something even more dramatic. Yeah. But during the Crimean War, the Doctor discovers the British Army fighting a brutal alien army of Sontarans. As Yaz and Dan are thrown deeper into a battle for survival, because what? Where did they go? What is the Temple of Atropos? And who the heck are the... What was it, Maori? Yeah. I was like, I swear they kept saying adipose. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> little fat guys coming around? <laughs> like, seriously, that's what I'm like. It's the little fat dudes. Okay. Yeah. But then it's like, I stopped and listened really close. I'm like, oh, atropos. But I don't think I've ever seen these characters. Now, I haven't watched older, older, like original Who as much. 
So were the Maori in something no. ever as that you know? No. no. And that temple of Atropos never sounded familiar to you? Nope. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's great. We're getting a whole new thing, but oh my gosh, you're yep. messing with us now. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we open with the doctor in a dream sequence of sorts. She spots a massive dilapidated house protruding from a pool of water. That was <laughs> a very strange looking. <laughs> I just kept thinking, okay, are we in channel zero? Yes. <laughs> or have we made it over 12 monkeys? Yeah. Because we had all this weird, like, all right, this weird mesh of stuff happening. Yep. And suddenly she wakes up on a snow covered battlefield. Yaz and Dan emerged from the wreckage since the TARDIS crash landed in an undisclosed location. Now, Mary Seacole finds our wayfaring trio, and we learn Team TARDIS arrived in 1855 amid the Crimean War. However, the British forces aren't fighting the Russians, they're battling the menacing Centaurans. Oh, really now? <laughs> that was not expected. I was going to say, that was starting to confuse me. I'm like, huh, okay, we knew the Centaurans were coming, but huh. Yeah. <laughs> this is strange. And we cut away to Vendor, who wakes up on a mysterious building on a planet. <laughs> Call it that. And a floating sentient diamond called a Priest Triangle repeatedly asks him if he can make repairs. Do these things not speak English? Come on. <laughs> Wait, yeah, can you repair? It's like, are you talking about my body physically? Yeah. Are you talking about something here? Yeah, can we break it down? Give me some more information, please. Yes, absolutely. Vague doesn't help. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> repair. What? <laughs> and we go back to the doctor, Dan and Yaz, and things get really wibbly-wobbly as first Dan starts glowing blue and fades out, and then Yaz does. And the doctor believes it's a mixture of the flux and vortex energies that caused it. I thought the doctor was starting to fade when Yaz is like, I heard fading. And I'm like, wait, did you say I'm fading or you're fading? fading right. <laughs> so now the companions are falling through time and space. The doctor urges Yaz to hold tight. She'll come to the rescue soon. Eh, maybe not so much. And we see Dan returns to Liverpool in the present. And to his dismay, his house is missing. He doesn't realize it's a matchbox on the TARDIS. <laughs> and he notices a massive ship looming over his neighborhood and a slew of Centaurans chase him through a darkened alleyway. That is, until two figures knock the Centaurans unconscious. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I kind of forgot the Centaurans basically have like a reset button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we discover the two are Dan's parents, and they got to walk. Now, I will have to say, though, when Dan first shows up and he's, like, talking to the neighbors through the window, right? I thought they didn't know who he was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a whole different thing. But at least his parents knew who he was, so it wasn't as crazy as I was thinking it was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the one guy just, he was just out there. And you see another lady pointing to her watch, and you go, oh, okay. And you I know, I was waiting for Daleks or something. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Doctor Who always blesses us with the time-honored tradition of implementing household appliances as weapons. Thankfully. For yeah. First time we've seen a walk, though. <laughs> now we check in on Yaz, who winds up on the same planet as Vendor, but she and 
counters the man from 1820s Liverpool. As per usual, this man speaks in riddles and evasive language. She tries to follow him, but he declines the company. I'm so confused with that guy. Yeah. It's like total red herring. This is like Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who is this guy? What does he know? Because apparently he knows something. Now, Yaz peers down at a message scrawled in pen on her hand. WWTDD. Or what would the doctor do? Yeah, I had no idea what that was supposed to be. Because I thought it was WWTOO. Right. <laughs> I'm like, World War II, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, very confused. Yep. So we go back to the doctor who pops into Mary's hotel where she meets the general of the British Army. And what a jerk he ends up becoming. Well, he's oh my that way God. from the beginning. <laughs> that dude. Okay. I have never wanted somebody to be taken out as quickly as I wanted him. Oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, you gotta go. You got <laughs> to go. I mean, that was just running through the whole episode, but wow. That went from, usually you meet the character, and you're like, all right, let me give him a chance. It's like, nope, yeah, no. Yeah. Doctor grabs the map he's working on and realizes there's no Russia. It's only Santar, and the Santarans have always been on Earth. Though it gets a little wibbly-wobbly again as Mary vaguely remembers hearing the name Russia. So it's like, yeah, we're kind of out of sync with normal time here. Now Mary sneaks the doctor into a back room where she tends to a Centauran soldier. Mary discovers that Centaurans only rest for roughly seven minutes every 27 hours. That Much like a new mom, I yes. think. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The doctor attempts to interrogate the Centauran, but to no avail. So she switches tactics. She reveals she knows the location of the infamous doctor and will disclose that info only to the Satarin commander. Naturally, this potential truth bomb changes the Satarin's tune. I thought that was funny. He's like, well, hmm. Yeah. This might be good. Of course, much to the general's dismay, the doctor and Mary release the Satarin soldier and follow him to the encampment because they aren't the brightest soldiers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was quite amusing. I don't know about you, but I did expect to see, because everything's all wonky, Yeah, our Centaurin that, like, Strat. back in, yeah, back <laughs> in, like, medieval. Well, like, I thought it was going to be weird, and he was just going to pop up there somehow. Right. Well, he did, kind of. <laughs> Wait, did he? Yeah, we'll get to that at the end. Wow. <laughs> so the doctor asked Mary to hide and observe, taking notes, but don't get caught. And we see the Satarin commander execute the lone soldier even after the latter reveals the British know where the doctor is. We go back to the present where Dan and his parents drive to the headquarters in Liverpool. And it appears to be a former naval shipyard. Dan decides to infiltrate it. So his parents arm him with their walk. <laughs> That's just so strange. <laughs> I thought it was honestly supposed to be more of like armor for him. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, eh, you know, whatever works. Yeah. His dad tells him the Satarans have a small circular opening near the bottom of their helmets that incapacitates them when receiving a blunt force trauma. Then we go over to see Yaz as she encounters Vender in the Temple of Atropos on the planet Time, wherein 
beings known as the Mori reside. Now, the Mori guard and regulate the flow of time in the universe. That sounds very Time Lordish. Yes, it does. We got division out of Cavanista last episode, and here we've got the Mori who are regulating time. Yeah, but they don't really explain it. And apparently the doctor has dealt with like swarm before. Yeah, so it's before she was a doctor. So that has to tie into confusion. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this episode was not near as confusing as the previous one, but still we need some answers, Chibnall. (laughs) I think it's still pretty confusing. Yeah. However, things are a bit wibbly-wobbly for the Moray, as two of them appear to be malfunctioning. I thought they were like robots or something, because it looked like suddenly it was rusted. Right, yeah. I was like, wait, what? What is happening? Are they people? Are they robots? Cyborgs? What is this? The TVA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back to check on Dan as he watches while the Centaurans brutally slaughter three human trespassers, or spies as they called them, firing squad style. Now he records the shipyard on his phone for the doctor to view later. Now how the hell would he have any idea that he would be able to get that information to the doctor? I was guessing that was just a hundred percent like maybe when we catch up and she finds me I can show her. But right, yeah. <laughs> Has to be. But at the same time, not a bad idea. I'm gonna record because if I die, maybe somebody will find this and it will help. Right. So we go back to eighteen fifty five where the doctor activates a signal from her sonic screwdriver, one that alerts the Centauran commander. Well, that wasn't bright. No. Well, it was what she'd planned. She meets with him, reveals she's the doctor, and demand he and his forces evacuate Earth immediately. Like, that's gonna work. <laughs> it was worth a shot. Yeah. Unfortunately, Santar is here to stay, so the Crimean War rages on. And, of course, our British general blows up the confab between the two of them by pointing a gun at the doctor's head and orders a soldier to escort the doctor off the field okay at this point i'm like is he some kind of centauran in disguise right yeah (laughs) and then is he just uh, that stupid um yeah well option b yeah and i totally was thinking "Mm, can you just shoot him right now right and of course we see British forces and Centaurans engage in another battle. I don't think I'd call it much of a battle. It was more of a slaughter. Oh my gosh. When that was happening, I'm like, and how did that douchebag survive? survive? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still so irritated with how he was acting. I'm like, yes, because it right there is so much of, I want to say like how the command people were like way back. It's like, no, we must press forward. But my ass is staying in the back. Yes, absolutely. Go get him. (laughs) It it just irks me to no end. I don't know why that makes me so mad still. (laughs) Like, it's a TV show. I mean, it's showing what kind of happened in history in regards to that kind of mentality. But good God, I'm so angry with this stupid thing. And then the fact that he ends up not dying. Yes, absolutely. So we see Dan scrambling onto a Centauran ship unseen. Head scratcher there, but they are Centaurans, so they aren't the brightest. (laughs) While Swarm, Azure, and the passenger arrive at the Temple of Atropos. Who the hell is the passenger? Where did he come from? Exactly. No idea. 
How do they keep getting more people? Yes. Where did Swarm have this thing stashed away? Stashed, yeah. <laughs> and we see Mary and the Doctor get aboard a Centauran vessel in 1855. As we see the Centaurans decimate the British army on the battlefield. Dan gains access to the control room and inadvertently contacts the doctor while she's in the past. The doctor breaks into his phone to view the footage he recorded, <laughs> and she assigns him the task of ridding Liverpool of the Centauran. Okay, I do have to say too, though, when he's like, wait, you can see everything on my... Yeah. It's like, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, we're going back to Matt Smith when he's like, clear your browser history. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to know. Just clear it. Yeah. <laughs> and for a first time companion, giving him a tall order like that, I was like, really, Doc? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, uh, uh okay. Why don't you tell him to go find a place to hide until she gets there? Right. That sounds better. Yeah. I can see Yaz, her telling Yaz, yeah, get rid of the Centaurans in Liverpool because she's been around long enough. But right. not poor Dan. <laughs> Doctor believes the war-hungry alien race wishes to infiltrate every period on Earth. Unfortunately, a Centauran catches Dan, but our newest companion manages to knock the extraterrestrial unconscious with his walk. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, and he's basking in the glow and turns around and there's several other soldiers pointing their weapons at him. We go back to time where Vendor and Yaz meet Swarman Azure in the temple. And it's not a fun meeting to be sure. <laughs> Swarm chokes Yaz and Vendor tries to shoot him, but he teleports from place to place in the temple, missing every blast. He was like posing too, like every yes. time he zipped around. Meanwhile, Carvanista swoops in and saves Dan from a Sonaran death. That wasn't all that surprising. <laughs> I was waiting for him to come back. I really was. Yep. And after the British Army's latest defeat, the Doctor reveals the new game plan to Mary and the General. And I wish she would have ran him through with that little oh sword my she was using. <laughs> I just wish she never got back up, is all yeah. I'm saying. So, I'm sorry, but it's true. Now, during those seven-ish minutes, the Santarans rest and recharge. Doctor will release the aliens' race's valuable resources into the atmosphere, depleting their energy. And we see her do just that. Next, Carbonista hatches a strategy to wipe out the Centauran forces in Liverpool. He'll control their ship to crash through the other vessels in the shipyard, thereby facilitating a temporal disruption. Uh, say what now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the ship? No. <laughs> And while this transpires, Dan and Carbonista don't make it to the escape pods, but they flee through a chute and get dumped into the bay. Okay, I loved the head tilt, though. Yes. <laughs> Did you catch that? Like, yes. I didn't know if everybody else caught that. But when Carbonista turns around and opens it in the Centaurans there, it's like, what? And I'm like, oh my god, yes, he did a doggy head tilt. It was yes. perfect. Yes, it was. And I don't know what it was. I know it's not Nick Frost, but I swear it sounds like Nick Frost. <laughs> nice. Now, of course, the Centauran commander meets up with the doctor and vows to leave Earth after she purposely diminished their resources. And we see Carvanista's plan work, too, as the Centauran ships explode, and then everything that wasn't supposed to be there disappears. I still don't know how that worked, but hey, yeah. yay. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, the British general interrupts the Centaurans departing by lighting their fleet on fire. Oh, so Mr. Jerky McJerkface was a jerk. Got it. Yes. It's compensation for all the human lives lost that day. Now, of course, we see them walk in to their command area with several soldiers behind. You don't see any of them carrying barrels of black powder. Right, because it's not like that would be something quick that they can do in seven minutes. Exactly. Yeah, that whole thing, it's like, what, you got a whole bunch of people in the back like, okay, ready, hurry up and move them. Right. Yeah, and I don't see the doctor missing that, but I love that the doctor had to call him out on his crap. Oh, yeah, she did, and she is not a fan of this move. Yeah, no, oh, it it wasn't for the people who've lost. It was for your guilt because you screwed up. Yes. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the TARDIS emits a noise and the doctor's ship finally reveals the entrance again, which was really odd when we saw her <laughs> trying to get in and there was no door right? earlier in the episode. They like, let me in. I have to save them. Nope. So the doctor returns to present day Liverpool where she finds Dan and Carvanista. She asks Carvanista to continue protecting Earth while she hunts for Yaz. Dan and the Doctor enter their TARDIS and spot a series of crystalline-like protrusions covered in black goo. This can't be good. No. And I kept feeling like, what the heck is this black goo? I I feel like it has come up before, and I don't know why. Right. I kind of have a feeling it's, I guess the rumors on the interwebs is that the TARDIS is dying. <gasps> I did not see that. Yeah. Oh, no. Will, and it may just be because of all the timey-wimey going on everywhere in the universe. So we, oh, you know what? Because, yeah, the one guy does say that, too. Yep. He's like, if time runs wild, what will that do to a TARDIS? Yes. And I didn't even think anything of it. I just thought, okay, it's not going to be able to go where it needs to go. But right. now and that you said that. Yeah, and as soon as they got in, the door shut and it took off. She didn't lower the lever. So was it Swarm that did that? Because, of course, they arrive at the temple. You kind of go, hmm. Interesting. I kind of think Swarm had a whole lot to do with it because he knows exactly who everybody is. Yes, Dan, the Doctor. Oh, my God. Is he going to be like an incarnation of the Master or something? It would not surprise me. That would would really make me mad because it's like, what? Yeah. How is this? Yeah. Okay, sorry. It would not surprise me in the least if we... Now, if Azure is Missy, I'm down for that. <laughs> Holy crap. I didn't even think of that. Because she might be able to do battle with the Master and has just as good a chance taking him out as anybody else. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Interesting thought there. Yep. So the Doctor sees Yaz and Vendor situated among the Mori. Replacing the two defective ones from earlier. Form reveals that once he snaps his fingers, time will flow through Yaz and Vendor effectively ripping their bodies apart. And the episode ends right before Swarm's countdown finishes. Well, of course it did. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm sitting here going, okay, okay, is he going to snap? And then it's like, wait, what? It ended? Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm uh, telling you, it's stressful watching these sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I have a few tidbits from the episode. Oh, tidbit away. Yes, this episode <laughs> is the first time the Centaurans have appeared as the main titular protagonist in a Doctor Who adventure since the Centauran stratagem slash the Poison Sky in 2008. Although Commander Cog was also the main foe in the Sarah Jane adventure story, The Last Centauran, released in the same year. Since then, they have mostly appeared as either cameos in The End of Time and The Pandorica Opens, or comic relief, every episode with Strax. Well, that's true. Speaking of Strax, you probably recognize the actor who played him, Dan Starkey, as nearly every Centauran underling who appeared in tonight's episode. He has really cornered the market in potato heads. <laughs> the Centauran commander refers at one point by name to Lynx, the first Centauran we ever met who claimed planet Earth for the Centauran Empire in the 1973 episode, The Time Warrior. He even planted a little flag. <laughs> That's interesting, because I had no idea. I've never seen that yes. one. <laughs> They did not get named in credits, but I'm going to assume the statue people in the Temple of Atropo were based on the Greek mythology of the Morii, or Fates, one of whom were called Atropo. Kind of getting the distinct sisterhood of the Karn vibes from them as well. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. They're really, like, messing with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's caught and what's not. Right. Yeah, at one point, the Centaurans invoked the Shadow Proclamation, who uphold galactic law first mentioned by the Doctor in Russell T. Davies' 2005 relaunch story, Rose, and eventually seen on screen in 2008's The Stolen Earth. The Doctor's disgust with humans after General Logan blew up the retreating enemy echoed the Tenth Doctor's response to Prime Minister Harriet Jones destroying the fleeing Psychorax in the Christmas invasion in 2005. I think it was good then that we had Mary actually say, but I'm glad you were here and that you care about us. Right. Because I think that might bring her down. Although we know this is the last run for Jody, so maybe she's going to be encountering these kind of people and she's not going to deal with the lieutenant, you know, yeah. and he's he's going to be the first domino that starts like her down a road where she wants to just be like done because not done as the doctor, but I mean done helping humanity because right. of the oh, way yeah. some she of them are. That. Yeah, so that. I I think that was actually in there more for us, but I think that's a big point right there. Yep, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what we think, and Steve's little searches on the interwebs. What do you guys think? Shoot us an email at contactus at fangirlzone.com. Let us know your thoughts on this, and let us know what you found if you went down a rabbit hole, because some of those go on and on and on. So while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. We know there's a lot of Doctor Who podcasts out there, but you're listening to us, so thank you. <laughs> That's the best Absolutely. way I can say that. <laughs> 
And if you want to check out www.fangirlzone.com, you can check out all of our other podcasts. We have several. And don't forget to tell your friends about Doctor Who. You know you want to get them in. What's your favorite episode to get them hooked? I will tell you mine is Blink. Yep. love. That's how I sucked my husband right into Doctor Who. <laughs> nice. And, of course, we always hope you're enjoying our podcast. So, again, questions, comments, concerns rabbit hole tin foil hat theories let us know we want all of it so for this episode of the pod doctors i'm steve i worked it out all by myself until scooby-doo here tried to take credit and i'm sean fangirl s until next time there is nothing wrong with your internet do not attempt to adjust your settings we are controlling the podcast we control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.